Good morning. Today is a big day, especially for all of those going to camp. Um, it's, uh, it's exciting. I, I, th I was thinking about all those campers who are not going to hear a word I say today um, because their minds are thinking about all the excitement that is coming up. So let's pray for their safety. Let's pray for the good news of Jesus to be taught and for these young souls to to hear about Jesus, uh, to be encouraged, you know, many, many make a decision uh, to follow the Lord this week. And so let's be, let's be praying about that. And this, this afternoon, we've got a special evening at Tennessee Children's Home. We'll share more of those details about that as, as we close. And this little reminder, uh, I was talking with Marty just before worship, something that we all need to think about. With summer, there's a lot of travel, a lot of in and out. Um, and so think about that. Um, so you're not going to leave this next weekend and be gone for a week. And so it's just kind of part of it. You may be gone for two Sundays. That could just be a, a week away or, or whatever. And you miss a lot. So when you're gone, just, you know, check the bulletin online or your emails. We'll do our best to kind of communicate what's going on so that when you do get back in town, you can just um, pick up where, where you dropped off. Dale Galloway, in his book, Rebuild Your Life, wrote about little Chad. Chad was a quiet young fella. One day he came home and told his mother he'd like to make valentines for everyone in his class, but her heart sank. She thought, I wish, I wish he wouldn't do that, because she had watched all the children as they were walking home from school, that her Chad was always walking behind them. They laughed and hung on to each other, talked to each other, but Chad was never included. Nevertheless, she decided she would go along and bought all the supplies for the next few weeks. Night after night, Chad painstakingly made homemade valentines for his classmates. So Valentine's Day dawned, and Chad was beside himself with excitement. He carefully put them in a bag and bolted out the door. His mom was thinking about the day and thought, I'll make his favorite cookies ready when he returned home. She just knew he'd be disappointed. Maybe this would ease the pain a bit. It hurt her to think that he wouldn't get many Valentines at all. Maybe not, not none. Well, that afternoon, she had the cookies and the milk out on the table. She heard the children outside, and she looked out the window, and sure enough, they came laughing, talking, but not including Chad. He was walking behind them as usual. But he was walking a little faster than usual. She fully expected him to burst into tears as, as soon as he got inside. Her arms were, his arms were empty, she noticed. And as the door opened, she choked back the tears and said, here's some cookies and some warm milk. Sorry, warm cookies and cold milk. <laughs> I just ruined that whole thing, didn't I? But he hardly heard her words. He marched right on by. His face was aglow and he said, not a one, not a one. Her heart sank. And then he added, I didn't forget a one, not a single one. We're in a series called One Another. And we're talking today about what it means to love above. You know, as, as God's children, as a follower of Jesus, we have an incredible calling to love as he loved. Jesus gave us the golden rule. A lot of people who don't know the Bible, they know the golden rule to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
But some call this the platinum rule when Jesus said to his disciples, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It truly is loving above. Jesus said the greatest command is to love God and love people. And the challenge is this, and we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, is not that we don't know this. We know this. You know this. We know that we are to love one another. But we must be on guard against becoming complacent about just settling, about just not being intentional about this. It, It happens. It's a real phenomenon. And this is not just for us today. It happened in the first century church. Look on the screen of what Paul wrote to the Christians in Thessalonica. It's on the screen. It's also on the top of your outline. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 9 and 10. Now, about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. So they were loving the brothers, they were loving one another well, but Paul urges them, do so more and more. Or to put it another way, and it's the first blank on your outline, never settle for a mediocre love level. That's the world's way of living, and as as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't settle for that. Remember, nobody should love one another better than Jesus' people. I mean, that's what he's calling us to. And for good reason, because God has taught us to love. Did you catch that in the verse? Look again at verse 9. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. How has God taught you to love? You thought about that? That God teaches you to love. Or one way God taught us is by coming flesh. God personified love by becoming flesh, by coming to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. You know, when you're in a tough situation, not sure what to do next, not sure how to respond, you know, the question we need to all ask is, what does love require? What's the loving thing to do? How would Jesus respond in this situation, in this moment? God taught us how to love by becoming love in the flesh. So I was studying through these, these verses I just realized how love, it's like when you're, when you're buying a car or when you're, you're shopping for clothes or if you're looking for something, once you, you start looking at that, then you see it everywhere. I discovered that looking at the verses, love is everywhere in Scripture. Sometimes we read right over it, but truly it's just saturated. But second, God taught us by His Spirit who came to indwell in us, to fill us with His love. God is love. The Bible tells us that. And through Jesus Christ, we become partakers in this divine nature. So when flesh tells us to strike back, when our, our, our worldly way of thinking tells us to get even, the spirit that we listen to tells us, no, you turn the other cheek. No, you go the second mile. Love keeps no record of wrong. So when the flesh is met with cursing, selfishness, cruelty, the Spirit of God reminds us not to lash back, not to give as they've given you, but to respond with the blessing. The Bible teaches us that as Jesus' disciples, we become partakers in his nature. 
Think about that. Look on the screen, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What does that mean? Think about it. God's very spirit is living in you. He's not abandoned you. So in those moments when it's hard to love, you're not alone. God is teaching you how to love. And that's, that being the case then, all of us have the capacity to love above. Not in our own power, our own strength, but because God is living in us. The fruit, the evidence of the Spirit is love. And the Holy Spirit will fill you with His love. Now, He's not going to coerce you to love more than you're willing to love. He's not going to make you love. So the warning Paul gave to the Thessalonians is the same we need to hear as well. Paul warns, do so more and more. Don't become complacent about this. Don't put this on automatic pilot because that doesn't work. Every day, every moment, you have to think about this. As followers of Jesus, we are to love above. I like the way the message paraphrases verse 10 of chapter 4. Just love one another. You're already good at it. Keep it up. Get better and better at it. And we can all get into routines. We all can get busy with life and without thinking about it. Instead of responding as, as God's people, as a follower of Jesus, as one who's walking in the Spirit, we can be just like the world and become selfish and looking out for ourselves. I think that's why the writer of Hebrews gave us that similar admonition, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. To love above means we must be intentional. We've got to make this choice. It doesn't just happen automatically. Philip Yancey, I told you about his book, Disappointment with God. He related a touching story. One time... He was visiting with his mom. She was a widow. In fact, his father died in the same month that Philip turned one. So he barely even knew of his father. And that afternoon, they were looking through an old box of photos. And, and there was one picture of him. He was eight months old. And there were a lot of photos of him. But this one was very tattered. It was in, in really bad shape. And in fact, it was so tattered and bent he was wondering and asked his mom, why did you keep this picture when there are other pictures of about the same age that are in much better condition? Yancey writes, my mother explained to me that she had kept the photo as a memento because during my father's illness, it had been fastened to his iron lung. And then he explained, during the last four months of his dad's life, he lay on his back completely paralyzed by polio at the age 24, encased from the neck down in a huge cylindrical breathing unit. You've heard it called this an iron lung. With his two young sons banned from the hospital because of the severity of his illness, he asked his wife for a picture of her and their boys. Because he wasn't even able to move his head the photos had to be jammed between the metal knobs that hung between, in, right in his view above him. It was the only thing that he could see. The last four months of his life, he spent looking at the ones he loved. Then she wrote this, I've often thought about that crumpled photo. For it's one of the few links connected me to the stranger who was my father. 
Someone I have no memory of, no sensory knowledge of, spent all day, every day, thinking of me, devoting himself to me, loving me. The very same emotions I felt that February night in the college dorm when I first believed in a God of love. Someone is there, I realized. Someone is there who loves me. It all was a startling feeling of wild hope, a feeling so new and overwhelming that it seemed fully worth risking my life on. To love above must be intentional. So what are some concrete ways that we can love above instead of settling like others? Well, just read through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and, and there's several. I want to list four, call your attention to. And if you're following along on the outline, you'll see we're going to spell the word love here. So the first L there, lift the hearts of the hurting. You may recall Paul was writing this letter to the church at Thessalonica because they had become very concerned. Some of the Christians had died, and they fully believed that Jesus was going to come back the second coming was going to happen in their lifetime, and now some of their own fellow believers had died, and they didn't know what to think about that. What does that mean for those who've already died? Jesus didn't come back. So now what happened? So they're asking all these questions. The church in Thessalonica had become consumed with this, so Paul writes this short, this brief letter, and he addresses their concerns, but I want you to notice this, how he does that. They're concerned. What does it mean? These, the, our, our brothers and sisters of the Lord have died. Jesus is coming back, but not in time for them. Wait, what does that mean? And he reminds them of the gospel. He tells them the basic truths. Jesus died for our sins and God raised him from the dead. And because of that, we know the future. When Jesus returns and he explains this, there will be a loud command, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God. At that moment, the dead in Christ will rise first. We will all meet Jesus in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. I want you to notice the church never stops needing to hear the gospel. We never get beyond the basics. We need it in good times, we need it in hard times. It's always good to focus on the good news of Jesus. And then he ends in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. So let's learn from Paul. One way to love people is to share the good news of Jesus. They may be in a moment of sorrow and despair. You share the good news of Jesus. He has the hope that they need to hear. See, don't be like the world and just respond with empty platitudes. It's all going to be okay. Just hang in there. We're going to, uh, I, I kind of get bothered. You've heard me say this before, sending good vibes your way. What does that mean? I don't read about good vibes in Scripture. As God's people, we've got more than good vibes to share. We can remind one another in those moments of what really matters, of who Jesus is and what He's promised, the good news Paul reminds them of the gospel and then says, Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Love rejoices with those who rejoice. Love above weeps with those who weep. Let me ask you a question. What are you known for in this church? If 
I were to go around the room and, and say your name and ask people about you, what would they say about you? See, a, a, a shallow form of love and say, well, I know him, I know her. And they might tell you what they look like or a little bit maybe about your family or, or might say, well, they sit in the middle on the left side. That's a shallow kind of loving. But a love above says, I know her, I know him. And then what follows is some way that you have loved them. Maybe they will say, yeah, I, I know her. She and I worked together one time. We were serving on this project together. Or, yes, she's taught my child in Bible class. She's fantastic. They came to the funeral. That's a love above. That's when you know somebody, when you love somebody. See, when you love above, you're going to often find yourself in the deep end in the pool of life. Not because you chose to swim there, because somebody needs you there. And so you're going to be there to help them to lift the hearts of the hurting. Well, the second, the O, overwhelm your leaders with honor. Paul addresses this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Part of loving others well is that authority is to be affirmed and encouraged. This is true in every arena. Authority is to be affirmed in school. Whether or not you like your teacher, your principal, your coach, you respect them as a person. You respect the position. Authority is to be affirmed in the workplace, even if your boss is unethical. Even if they're difficult, you respect the position. Same with government. You may not have voted for them. They may not be from your party. You may not like her, like him, but you still show respect and you honor the position. Same for the home. Same at church. That's what Paul mentions here. Look in chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Note that Paul describes this kind of leadership as work. It's one of those you don't know how much work it is until you find yourself in that position, serving in that role. And leaders cannot do their best if you're out sowing discord instead of, as he says here, live peacefully with each other. President Abraham Lincoln faced a relentless schedule daily, constantly, constantly demands. Yet when an elderly lady came to his office and asked to see him without an appointment, he graciously consented. He stood up, greeted her, and said, how may I be of service to you? She replied that she had not come asking for a favor. She had heard that the president liked a certain kind of cookie. So she baked him some and brought them to his office. With tears in his eyes, Lincoln responded, You are the very first person who has ever come into my office asking not, expecting not, but rather bringing me a gift. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know you know how to love and honor your leaders but here's something to think about. Honor is an attitude, it's a perspective, it's a disposition, it's the way you think about things. But honor should be expressed. So think about how can you tangibly give that kind of honor. James Hewitt tells a story about one evening just before the great Broadway star, Mary Martin, was to go on stage for South Pacific. A note was handed to her. It was from Oscar Hammerstein, who was at the time on his deathbed, very short, very brief note. Here's what it said. Dear Mary, 
A bell's not a bell till you ring it. A song's not a song until you sing it. Love in your heart is not put there to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. How can you express honor and love to your leaders? The next verse sheds some light on why Paul describes their work as um, their uh, leadership as work. Look at verse 14 of chapter 5. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. It's not easy. And then third, Paul gives a way to love above, the V, value difficult people. Have you noticed there's some people who are harder to love than others? If you don't know that, it may be that because that's you. A minister moved to a new church, and he was trying to think about, what do I do my first sermon? You know, I, need to, I need to do well. And so he decided, as a part of his lesson, he would invite the children up and, and, and include them for a portion. This would be a neat way to bond with everyone, even the little ones. And, and, and so he invited them all up on the stage. And he was talking to them. And, and like us, the, it, was, it had beautiful windows. But their windows were the stained glass windows that each one had a Bible store. You've seen this before. They're beautiful. And so he called the, their children's attention. Look at all the windows. And they're big windows, but they all have these little panes. And, and each pane is a color and it, or a little scene. And it, and it all works together to share the story. And then he made the point to the little ones. So this is true in the church. And then he said this to the kids, I want you to understand that each of you are little pains. You're a little pain, and you're a little pain, and you're a little pain. And of course, everyone started laughing, and he wasn't sure what he had said wrong. But he inadvertently had spoken a truth, didn't he? We understand that. The church does have some little pains, and they're not often the little children. In fact, one of the surest signs, think about this, one of the surest signs that a church is preaching the true gospel, staying true to the gospel of Jesus, is that we are attracting people who need grace. Think about that. If your church has perfect people with perfect marriages, perfect families, and perfect leadership, that's not the church. That's not who Jesus called us to be. Instead, you welcome the opportunity God has given you to love above. The ones whose marriage is not perfect, their families are not perfect, the leaders are not perfect. And we extend grace to one another and encourage one another. And keep in mind, think about this, God did not find any one of us easy to love. We gave him plenty of reasons not to love us. Romans 5 eight is so powerful, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. To love as Jesus loved is to love above. To love above their idiosyncrasies, their irritations, even your own wounds. And that brings me to the next one. Love above requires E, express kindness when wronged. This may be one of the most uh, obvious ways, distinguishing marks of this kind of love above. Remember Jesus' words, one of his last words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. This, this may require heavyweight loving more than anything else. When somebody hurts you, when somebody treats you poorly, for you to express kindness to them, Wade Boggs is a Hall of Fame baseball player, began his career with the Boston Red Sox. He was very, very successful. Story is he hated Yankee Stadium, though. Not the people, not the town, but he hated the stadium, but not really the stadium. It was one fan, just one fan. You ever had that one person that knows how to push your buttons? Well, there's this one fan there at the stadium that would just torment Boggs. Evidently, he had, you know, season tickets to right there near the field, and he would yell all these obscenities at him, trying to get his attention. One day, as Boggs was warming up, that fan began the foul marks. Boggs, you stink! I edited that just a little bit. Boggs had had enough, because I had got to do something. So he walked over. To where that man was seated and he said are you the man that keeps yelling at me he said yeah I am what are you gonna do about it Boggs reached into his pocket and he pulled out a brand new baseball signed his name and threw it at him probably not like that probably like that he never tormented Boggs again in fact, became one of his best fans. Somewhere in your past, someone has hurt you. They may be in this room, might be in your family, maybe somebody in another city, another state. Consciously or unconsciously, you begin to limit your love. You're not loving above, you're settling. That's true because whenever you think of them, you remember that hurt. You remember that pain. Love above requires some heavyweight loving. How well do you love difficult people? How well do you love those who are irritating? How well do you love those who don't deserve it? I don't think we can love like that until we truly grasp how much God loves us. Because when you're loved by God, that's what equips you. That's what teaches you. That helps you then to, in turn, give love. You know, Jesus said the unthinkable. We know it, but we rewrite over it. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. That's hard, but it's not impossible. Not with the power of God in you. Not as a child of God. Not as someone who's been taught how to love. Love your enemies. It might change them. We know it changes us. Is there someone whose past has caused your present love to become mediocre? Love above. Think about it. It just keeps raising the bar, doesn't it? So never settle for a mediocre love level. And then last, always remember to love above. This is a love that never runs out. Because God is love. So you accept God's unconditional love for you. 
God loves you more than we can imagine. Let God love you. And then abide in that only source of unlimited love. I didn't put it on the screen, but go and read John chapter 15, where Jesus said, abide in me. You remember that? That whole teaching there? Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what we're talking about here, abiding in him. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, one last verse. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. We've read the verse, we've sang the song. All people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as his disciple, you, you have the capacity to love above. It's just a matter of your intention, your willingness, letting God work through you. Jesus would never ask us to do the impossible. I'm not saying it's easy. He didn't say it's easy. But we can do it. And in doing so, we're not just loving above. We're showing other people that we are his, that we belong to him. This morning, if you don't belong to Jesus Christ, if you've never confessed your faith and had your sins washed away in baptism, we're going to sing a song to encourage you to make that decision. And we'll rejoice with you and support you and, and be with you every step of the way as you live daily with, for him. Or if we can encourage you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing this song? The Lord lift his countenance upon